God gives you instructions as you begin to have responsibility. And this is coming slowly. It's not established yet. Imagine, imagine the Lord coming to you and telling you this is your plan for your life. Yeah? Imagine. But your heart, it's not prepared. You're not in the area of responsibility. All you're doing is fooling yourself. All you're doing is playing God, playing church. When I come to this place, I come to receive instructions from God. It's not for someone to get a daily word and just move on and go on with life. Your life's for God. He's written your book on earth. And when you come in one accord, God prepares you to know what you, He has called you for on earth. But imagine you, imagine you struggle to come together to pray in the Spirit and to hear what the Spirit of God has to say. So many believers are good at praying by themselves. They struggle to pray as a body because they haven't understood how they can operate as a body. We are the body of Christ. I'm just one member. There are many members here that haven't laid down their life for Christ yet. Because the last, the last area of laying your life down for Christ is for the church. It's for the church. When I come and sit in the presence from whatever, six o'clock, God gives me instruction. God speaks to every person. Imagine when every person is hearing in the same way. God can begin to what? Prepare us to operate in our calling and send the people that he has planned before the foundation of the universe. Why? Because your mindset, it's the kingdom. Your mindset's the kingdom. That's it. I'm working now. I've placed myself where God's told me to place myself. I'm working. I'm operating in my calling or I'm beginning to operate in my calling. What about you? See, in the beginning, we need a word of refreshment. We need a word of encouragement. We need a word of breakthrough. Yes, you get that. Let's move forward now. Are you planted here? Are you... Do you see yourself serving in this place to serve the world? These are decisions you have to make in your heart. Very important. So we have a responsibility now. Most people here, they're saved. They've given their life to Christ. They're in the first stage. Now it's responsibility. How many people here have a responsibility to raise their family and children? How many people? You know, God's family, it's greater. God's family is greater. Does that mean you neglect your personal family? By no means. You teach them all to serve the Lord. <laughs> You have to understand where we're going as a body. This is not just another church, another denomination. 
another place where you, you you call home this is where you get instructions to do god's will you know in the acts of the apostles they fasted and prayed they came for one very purpose you know what that purpose was to find out what god wants from them and they were sent around the whole world and they changed the whole world you know why because they were serious about their journey if i was to say it like this people are scared they're scared when 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 people and i'm not saying it in a boastful way when people sit in my presence they're scared because maybe they have their own life planned out the bible says the one who puts his foot to the plow he cannot look back unfortunately there are many of us looking back is it my life still or is it god's life the bible says the one who puts his foot to the plow and looks back is what not worthy of me that's the gospel the same gospel that you hear last week about what jesus died he died he died to establish you so i know there are newcomers here i know there are people here that have been here for years but what do you want from this place what is it that you really want from this place you know what god wants do you actually know what god wants he wants to bring you to a spiritual place where you're operating in your calling and you're operating in the plan that he has for you how many people know this how many people know this how many people know this in this place not many not many not many you know how i know this is because they struggle to come together they struggle to be in the spirit together if there's anything that the body should be doing is coming to let the holy spirit speak but we're more interested in a teaching than the holy spirit you know what the holy spirit is god the holy spirit he speaks he gives instructions but guess what if we're just coming to get refreshment to get us by for the week or we're here to get a bit of the things that we need of god but when you come with the mindset that i'm going to hear from god we are all in one accord praying together serving each other every gift is to serve each other the gifts that you've received it's there to serve each other that means no one can be alone that means you have a responsibility that i'm going to learn from this man i'm going to learn from pastor tony i'm going to learn from upcoming pastors or upcoming leaders prophets apostles whatever it is i'm going to learn how he laid down his life and how he surrendered his life and the attitude that he has in his heart towards god i'm going to learn from him and i'm going to put it into practice the final destination of the church it's to get instructions from the holy spirit to know what he has called you on earth you know that you know that you know the acts of the apostles the final destination of their gathering 
was to get instructions. They fasted and prayed. The Holy Spirit spoke, go here. Go to this place. Maybe God didn't call you to go outside. Maybe he did. But do you see where the challenge is? That if I'm going to come together as a body, if I'm going to come together as a body, I'm scared. I don't know where God's going to take me. Then you begin to see, you begin to see the fear. Am I really protected? Am I really safe in my calling? That's why so many people are not led by the Spirit. The Word of God is meant to prepare you to, for you to mimic in the same way. We're good at quoting, we're saved by grace, lest any man boast. Yeah, you're saved to save others. You're saved to serve others. You're saved to deny your life. And the first the first level of maturity is to renew your mind, is spiritual identity. So when we come together as a body, guess what we're doing? Guess what we're doing by the Holy Spirit? I'm coming to trust the Lord through His Scripture that the Holy Spirit is going to prepare me to understand what's my calling on earth. <clears throat> This is my family. And I don't say this to make you happy. This is my family. I feel the same love that I feel towards my own family. I feel it towards you. I feel it in my heart. And I'm not just saying this to out of words. I feel it in my heart that I have a responsibility to lead and to prepare. But you have to understand one thing. The Holy Spirit is the one that steers. But let's say we struggle to come together. Is it really a struggle to come together or is it I'm afraid what he's going to tell me? I'm afraid of what he's going to ask me to do. See, this is why so many people withhold their life. Because they don't know that their life is for God. They don't know yet. You know when the Holy Spirit came in the Acts of the Apostles? One goes to India, one travels to this place. You see how much they were dead to themselves? You see how much they were dead to themselves to even get to that level of faith? That's what God wants to produce in each one of us. Each one of us. Yeah. I ask you this question. Which person here is ready to obey what the Holy Spirit has to say? I don't think anyone can put their hand up. Because that demands for you to go through the process. That demands for you to cooperate with Him. The Bible says the one who sits down and works out the cost of the building... He has to sit and really think about how he's going to orchestrate this building. That means it's a process. That means in, in the beginning, you can't make decisions that I'll do whatever God says. He's got to build you to get to this place. Are we understanding?
I want to teach you something. What is it that you want from this place? You have to have a vision or all you're doing is working in vain. What is it that you want from this place? Someone can be honest and say, I've come to get comfort. I've come to feel good. I've come to get healing. I've come to know about who God is. And these are all valid. I won't take that from you. But the final destination of why God has brought you into a body or a church, it's for you to move to your destiny. You have to understand where we're going. You have to understand where we're working towards. And it's a process, I understand that. But why are you really coming to this place? What is it that you want? For me, I understand that I built this place, or I obeyed what the Holy Spirit told me to do, to teach and to go wherever he's going to call us to go. We are working together. But I understand that my life is for the church. Not a physical building, a spiritual building. So when God calls you, when God calls you, it's a process. You have to understand it's a process. But you have to know where you're working towards. You're working towards the final destination for you to be an offering unto Christ. For you, if there was one person on earth that God wanted to invest into, it's you. You have to understand that you're his special possession. You have to understand where you're working towards. Because guess what happens when you don't have a vision? You don't know what to work on. You don't know where to plow. You don't know where to start to uproot. Are we understanding? So many people come here. Why? Comfort, peace. But I want to make you work in this mind. I'm coming to prepare where the Spirit's going to lead me. And imagine the Holy Spirit came to you today. I just want to imagine the Holy Spirit came to you today and you're full of plans. You're full of, you've already written your life. And you're saying, Lord, speak with me. Tell me what you want from me. It doesn't come because you haven't prepared yourself. You haven't understood that he needs to work in an area so when his voice does come, you can fulfill. And it's, 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 a very, it's a fine line for every believer here. You were called to lay down your life for Christ. Do you know this? You're called to change the world. From one man's obedience, your obedience, you're called to change the world. You can't see yourself in the natural. In the natural, there's, you're full of restrictions and limitations. You have to know that you're God's tool now. You have to know now that you have to silence the outside world to work inside what God's called you to work. How many people here have a fear that if God comes to you, it won't be the way that you think? <laughs> How many? 
how many people think here that if God was to speak to them about their calling, who knows the beginning to the end? Who knows God's, who knows their destiny? God does. And the biggest restriction and limitation is when you, you have an idea of how your life is going to be. We build around that. We build our lifestyle around this. And all we do is put the greatest walls around the Holy Spirit. Believe me. You know, the Holy Spirit, he will not let me go past the teachings of a babe and a little child. He will not let me excel any further. Through different types of teachings, he doesn't let me excel any further in this area. You know why? It's because spiritually, that's where we are. And it's okay. But is that where you want to stay? No, we don't want to stay there. This great prophet from uh, Africa, I think it was Africa, or Lagos. I've never seen a man of God operate like he does on earth. And God gave me a dream of him. He came to me in my dream before he died and after he died. And he gave me a message. And when the, he got invited in Sydney, there was this church that brought him out from Sydney. And you know what he said? you know what he said? Do you want to know what he said? He said, you're not ready for the move of God. You're not ready. I agree. 100% I agree. But God's preparing us from scratch. Why? Because our life, it's still dominating. You know, I heard the Lord from many years before. Don't go to work. Don't go to work. Um, this person was sick from my family. She had a contamination in her blood. Can we just turn it off? That music? Had contamination in her blood. I just want to give you an example how the Holy Spirit leads. So I, I was working. And the Holy Spirit told me in the morning, don't go to work. Don't go to work. Huh? Imagine the Holy Spirit told you don't go to work. I have mortgages, I have Holy Spirit, I have mortgages, I have bills, I have responsibilities. What do you mean don't go to work? Imagine the Holy Spirit came to you today. For me, it's okay, I can receive that. But imagine you're fixated on your job. And if you don't go to work, you lose your job. I'm just giving an example. And the Holy Spirit said, don't go to work today. Go lay hands on her and say, I've given her new blood. She was three weeks, her blood was contaminated. This was early in my journey. There is no excuse for anyone here. I just got saved a year later. And the Holy Spirit said, don't go to work, go lay hands on her and say, I've given her new blood. She was, her blood was contaminated for three weeks and it was very severe. And I got there and she's like, struggles to speak English. And she says, oh, thank you, thank you. And like, she didn't even receive anything I said. And three hours, she's out of the hospital. But her blood got fully restored. Three hours. She, she, whenever she wants guidance, she comes to me now. And she can't even speak English. Because my obedience to the Holy Spirit. You want a treasure? I'll speak to you about a treasure the Holy Spirit showed me. Ananias. Ananias was the person who opened the eyes of Paul. And I'll throw a little treasure for you, just to feed on it slowly. Ananias was 
the only person, the person who, who allowed Paul to become who Paul was. Yes? We agree? Ananias will never mention again the one who laid hands on Paul for his scales of his eyes to come off him. What did the Holy Spirit say to him? The Holy Spirit said to, Anna, to Ananias, go to Straight Street. Yeah? Go to Straight Street. What does this mean in the Spirit? It means his journey now is straight. It means now that when your journey is straight, yeah, you open the eyes of the blind. When your vision is straight towards God, you open the eyes of the blind. Ananias was never mentioned again. Ananias is symbolic of a mature believer in the age of a father and full age. And the Holy Spirit showed me that his, when your vision is straight, guess what your mantle becomes? Open the eyes of the blind. But is your vision straight? Or are you a bit of the world, bit of God, bit of my life? You start to see. But when your vision is straight, what does God give you? He gives you the mantle to open the eyes of the blind. You know why? It's not your life anymore. You know that? Holy Spirit shared that with me. And I was like a person in a cage. Let me preach it, Lord. Let me preach this. And the Holy Spirit said, they will choke. They will choke. And what did Ananias say? He attacked all our people. What did the Lord say? Go. He'll suffer for my name. So why did, I, why did Paul become Paul? Because of Ananias' vision for God. It was straight. No compromise anymore. This is my life for God. Yeah, what does God bless you with? Open the eyes of the blind. That's why you were called. You were called to open the eyes of the blind. You know that? Spiritual treasure there. Spiritual treasure. You have to know your final destination. You have to know your final destination, where you're building towards. The Bible says, without a vision, my people perish. You must know where you're going. How many people know that their life is a gift to bless the body and those outside? You know what that means? It means you'll serve there. Now, there is a religious serving. There's a spiritual serving. So when we gather in the Holy Spirit, He prepares us by the Holy Spirit. How much the churches have failed today to build in the natural. Yet yeah, we need we need this, we need we need this. We need this member, we need this member, we need this member. We need to get them all together and we'll get them to start working. No, the Holy Spirit ordains and chooses. But you must know where you're going. Imagine you have this vision in your heart. I'm going to straight street. My heart is straight towards the will of God. He gives you the mantle to open the eyes of the blind. Imagine the Holy Spirit came to you and you're working and your job's in jeopardy. 
I chose God's will. I had to be at work. It was the first year that I got saved. I chose God's will. You know what God done? He done so many blessings for me because he knew that he comes first. What is a job what is a job symbolic of? I'm not saying anyone to leave the job. But this was my test. Security. God will show me he's my security. But he tested me to see if I would obey him. And what did he do? He rewarded me. My grandmother got healed by his blood. But I obeyed. Anyways, should I say I don't know why I shared that or I won't say that? Okay. So last week we spoke about your identity in Christ. Yeah? Does anyone remember? We spoke about last week our identity in Christ. Why so many people get attacked? Why so many people fall away? Because they don't know their identity in Christ. Yes? We agree? Let's go through quickly through some scriptures. And then we'll, the Holy Spirit gave me direction. The Holy Spirit gave me a direction. It's very powerful. It's eye-opener. Okay. So very quickly, just to reflect from last week, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. Okay, that verse there, isn't that interesting? That everything, that the first key to love is what? A pure heart. Can you begin to see? The first denominator of the love of God is what? A pure heart. You must understand the first key. Because if you get the first key right, yes, the rest of them follow. Good conscience, a sincere faith. So the first foundation for the love of God, how does it flow out of you? A pure heart. Purity. What does the Bible say? Blessed are those who are pure in heart. They shall see God. They will see like Him. What do you mean you see God? You'll see like Christ does. Then the good conscience follows. You won't operate in envy anymore. Then sincere faith will accommodate her. It's a pure heart. Okay. Our identity that is in Christ Jesus is crucial to understand if we don't understand our new identity. We will not be changed or transformed. We will not receive his peace. We will not feel like we belong to God and his family. We will not forget the past or the old. We will not receive authority from God. We will not be conquerors or overcomers. We will not understand you're in a friendship. We will not recognize we are sons and daughters. We will not recognize we are God's special tool on earth. We will not receive our inheritance. We will not struggle. We will struggle. Mercy. Okay, so the first foundation of sincere faith is our identity. Yes? Can I have the microphone? 
I challenge the crowd again. But just, just like a one word, not like every scripture in the Bible. So I like to challenge people. So for sincere faith, can we have the first Timothy? So whoever wants to put their hand up, you get one chance at it. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. So let's say, let's say our first foundation is our identity. So if you don't receive your new identity in Christ, you cannot move forward to the next process. Why so many people cannot move forward to the next process is because they don't understand who they are in Christ now. Are we in agreement? So this is crucial to understand. Very, very, very crucial to understand how you cooperate with God. If you don't understand your identity first, you will not be, be able to take on what comes next. I've maybe threw it out now, a little seed, a hint. So the first foundation of sincere faith, it means without wax. Imagine you pour hot water into wax in a clay pot where there's wax. When, where would the water first come out from? Where the, it's weak. Where it's weak. Or where, where you haven't dealt with yet. Okay? So... The first foundation is the first foundation of sincere faith is our new identity in Christ. What does that mean for a believer who gets saved? Your responsibility is to read the scriptures, to get to know everything who Christ says you are now. If you do not do this, you will not be prepared for the next step. So let's say someone gets saved, yes? They start in the book of Revelation. You know, there's an issue. I'm just being honest. Let's say someone starts in the book of Revelation or someone starts to test, uh, study the Old Testament. You know it's a problem. Your main focus is to get to know everything who Christ says you are. Then, when you receive his love, when you receive his blood, when you receive his sacrifice, when you receive sonship, when you receive forgiveness, mercy, compassion, then you can move to the next step. Now, I'm throwing another hint now. The next step is crucial. And why so many people can't go through the next step is because their identity is not in Christ. I'm throwing out another seed. Because after your identity, the Holy Spirit starts to do something else. So let's say you get saved as a believer, yes? Your task as a believer is to get to know who Christ says you are as a new person in Christ. You know what that means? It means you prepare your mind, yeah, that you're seated now in heavenly places. You have been bought at a price. The greatest way you can worship God is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You begin to understand who you are. But how can you serve God if you don't know who you are? Yeah? Someone may say, or well, most of the times when I'm getting mocked, I've got mocked a fair bit, unfortunately. They say, you, a believer now, but, but I'm a new person in Christ now. I'm not dictated from the old. I'm not dictated from the old anymore. 
So, so when people try to hurt me, whether it's in family, relatives, friends, enemies, whoever it is, it doesn't faze me anymore because I know who I am in Christ. Yeah? That's sealed. That's the easy part now. Now the next part is crucial because if you don't understand your identity, you won't be able to take what comes next. People, don't get scared. It's, it's, not, it's not bad. You won't be able to accept what's to come next. So let's say you get saved. Can, can we just, I just, just want to quickly, quickly go through it. Sorry. So go to Romans 5, 9 to 11 in the Amplified. Look here. I'm just giving you an example that when you first get saved, you have a responsibility to remap your mind in what Christ says you are. Yes, why so many people get wiped out in the beginning is why. Discouragement, condemn, condemnation, unworthiness, um, without a vision, the devil comes and wipes them out. They start strong, empty tank, starts to shake and cuts out. Yes? Why so many people get attacked with discouragement, condemnation, unworthiness, Satan really aims at a believer to get him in the beginning because then they can, for the rest of their life, know it's too hard. Are we understanding? So Satan wages war against a believer when? Especially in the beginning. If he can get you in the beginning, I tried, it's too hard. I prayed, nothing happened. If he can get you in the beginning, your life it's not giving glory to God. I fasted, I prayed. Nothing happened. But who said nothing's going to happen? Who says faith comes? It will come in the right time. So the enemy loves to wipe out people in the beginning. How does he do that? Hardness of heart. Hardness of heart. Persecution, attacks. Luke chapter 8 tells you. So if you don't know your identity in the beginning, guess what? The enemy can play with your mind. Play with your emotions. Play with your feelings. Are we understanding? Yes? I prayed, but I don't think it's for me. I believed, but, but I really believed. But it didn't come to me. But when you know your identity, you're sure to receive it. Because Christ paid for it. You have to know the first foundation is the most crucial one. Because if your identity is not established, the enemy can come, the troubles in this world can come, the stress, the pressure can come, chokes the seed. So since he faith, the main foundation is what? Jesus' sacrifice. Paved the way for every blessing. Can I say something to you? When you're going through challenges, you're so quick to forget everything. Yes? When you go through challenges, you're so quick to forget everything. Your eye is on the storm. Your eye is on the battle. Your eye is on the struggle. Yes? That's how the natural man is. Whether you disagree, it's up to you. But that's how the natural man is. So imagine you're going through the storm and you lack identity in Christ. That's why the majority of the body of Christ gets wiped out today. 
You know why? Because they can't fight. They don't know who they are. Some people enter the battle with a slave mentality. Some people enter a battle with the mentality of Satan. That he's the one that's going to continuously attack me. But when you know your authority, when you know who you are in Christ, you'll move forward. So I just want to read this scripture here, just to move forward. Therefore, since we now have been justified, declared free of the guilt of sin. Now look at this here. Satan, Satan's main task is to keep you in the realm of sin. But if you don't understand the sacrifice of Christ, you can't be free from it. Yes? How many people are continuously being burdened by sin? Where they're in a wrestle of sin. You know why? They lack to understand what Christ paid for at the cross. Therefore, since we have been justified, you know what justified means in a simple term? Like you've never sinned before. It actually means. What a slap in the face to the devil. What a slap in the face that mercy, the greatest way you can understand mercy is when you're in condemnation. That's what gets you out. Therefore, since we have been justified, declared free of the guilt of sin by his blood, how much more certain is it that we will be saved from the wrath of God through him? Now, this wrath that he's speaking about here is the judgment that comes on from Revelation 6. Revelation speaks about the wrath of God that will come upon all the sinners. We are free from that now. We are in right standing with Christ. Now, how much joy does that put in your heart now? That you're in right standing with God. You know what that means? That He cares for you. It means that He loves you. It means you can trust Him. You understand? One little phase of understanding your identity allows you. I think my life is more guaranteed with Him than it is myself. <clears throat> For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, it is more certain having been reconciled that we will be saved from the consequences of sin by his life. That is, we will be saved because Christ lives today. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God, rejoicing in his love and perfection through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now we have received and enjoy our reconciliation with God. So you begin to see how crucial it is with your identity. Why do so many people, and this is like the ABC of the gospel, why do so many people leave Christ today? Because they don't, know, they don't know that God loves them in a way where he paid the full price for their sin. So they begin to distance themselves from God's presence. They begin to not bring the things um, of the heart of sin into the light because they don't know that Christ wants to take it from them. So imagine you know your identity in Christ. Quickly just go through 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Look here. Now this is the sincere faith. This is the most crucial part of your journey. The most crucial part. Blessed, gratefully praised and adored be the... Amen. At least someone agrees. Blessed, gratefully, and praised and adored be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant and boundless mercy 
has caused us to be born again, that is to be reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. Now stop here. What's the final destination of Christ's death? Set apart for his purpose. We're so good at receiving our transformation, but we lack to understand where we're going. Can we see? You need to know where you're going. Scary, isn't it? (laughs) Set apart for his purpose to an ever-living hope and confident assurance through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Next scripture quickly. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is your identity. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature. Your past is abolished. It's a sin to think about your past. It's a sin to think anything other than what Christ says over your life. How many people are tormented in this way? How many people are thinking differently of what God says for their life? Yes? So I want to give you a bit of wisdom here. Whatever God says, Satan works in the opposite. Satan always mimics the opposite. He does everything to withhold you from going into your blessing. Are are you understanding? So Satan knows the scripture better than us. He will... He knows what blocks you from entering into your inheritance, into your blessings, into your identity. So he keeps you in that area, blocking you from entering. So let me give you an example. So what would Satan do here? What would Satan do here? So we are a new creature. What would Satan do? Yeah, he'll remind you of who you are in the past. How does he do that? Failure? You're a failure. You failed in every business. Yeah? No one loves you. Low self-esteem. I can't preach the gospel. Like, I don't feel loved. I don't feel accepted. Old identity. Old nature. You begin to see? You begin to see? You begin to understand what Satan does. I'm always defeated inside. He always brings the past. He's the ancient serpent of old. He always brings the old into the new. That's his task. He's the accuser with the old. That's his task. So let's say the Holy Spirit comes. He starts to poke those things inside of you. Pokes those things where there's fear, where there's intimidation, low self-esteem, insecurity. He grabs them and he brings them to the light. What does Satan do? He uses those to keep you in captivity. Just some simple teaching. So look here, he is a new creature, reborn. You know what, you know what that word means in the Greek? It's like he, he, he just stepped on earth. That's what it means. In the Greek, it means like he just stepped on earth. He's just walked on earth now. It's like everything is being renewed. That's what Christ done for us. That's how new we are. Paul understood this. He said, my mind does not even condemn me. My conscience does not even condemn me. He knows. But he goes, but that doesn't make me innocent. I have to give an account to God. But he knew 
So what does the enemy do? He attacks you with old mindsets, old emotions, old feelings, and old traumatic situations in your life that allowed you to feel like you're outside of Christ. That's his task. So guess what happens if you don't know your identity? You'll stay in that area. You'll stay. And you feel like you're trapped. Now this is simple teaching. Next script, uh, Ephesians 4. Look here. Ephesians 4, 22, 24. That regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self, completely discard your former nature, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires, and be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude. So let's say your old desires, your old sinful nature, the old rebellious nature wants to surface from day to day. You have to crucify it. That's why the Bible says take every thought captive now to the mind of Christ. Why? What Satan's, Satan is the master of bringing you back into the bondage according to your old life. And be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental, mental and spiritual attitude, and put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature, created in God's image, God-like, in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. Now, what truly determines that you are saved? Now, this is a challenge. What's the, what's the fruit of you being saved here? That's your fruit that you don't live for yourself anymore. If you truly are born again from above, this is the fruit that follows. A way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. Next one, Ephesians chapter 1, and then I'll go to the next one. Just in his love, he chose us in Christ, actually selected us for himself as his own. What is that symbolic of belonging? You belong to God now. You belong to God. Before the foundation of the world, so that we would be holy, that is consecrated, set apart for him. Look again, set apart for him purpose-driven and blameless in his sight in love, he predestined and lovingly planned for us to be adopted to himself as his own children through Jesus Christ, in accordance with the kind intention and the good pleasure of his will. Now, let's go to the next one. Now, if you don't understand your identity, you will not be able to receive the second foundation of sincere faith. Now, I don't have a microphone. Now, I want you to have a go at this. Let's see if he's been listening from week to week. The microphone's tricking me. Yeah, okay, we'll work, work the crowd. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Does he enjoy when I ask his questions? Yeah? Not the people at the back. Chris, take the microphone to the people at the back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, who are we going to ask? Everyone's paled. <laughs> well, I'll turn you at the back. <laughs> Tony, you want to answer a question? <laughs> so, the question is, when you understand who you are in Christ, what's the next step that follows that the Holy Spirit needs to do in a believer's life? If you don't want to answer, you don't have to. No? All right. Just one, just... What do you think that follows next? As a believer? Isn't it, wouldn't you want to know? Yeah? The Holy Spirit guide you. Guide you? Okay. Next one. Uh, Crystal, go to Second Chronicles. Deny yourself. Deny yourself? Close. And then now they're getting it now. You trust him. Trust him. She was a bit closer. Preparation. Probably purge. Must have purge you from. You're very close. There's one word I'm looking for. All right, everyone's going now. <laughs> Release. Uh, who said obedience? Well done. Who said obedience? It's 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 pretty much the same word, but it's it's more of a. It starts with a T. So so slowly, slowly. There's one. There's one word. All right. Anyways, I will settle down. Settle down. No, no, no. Um, Crystal. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Settle down. Sorry. Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter sixteen verse nine. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit gave me this scripture. I actually asked the Lord for instructions how to, to allow me to teach the next step of what happens after identity. And he showed it to me, and well, is it a mystery inside of that verse. So Second Chronicles, chapter 16, verse 9, whoever wants to turn, whoever has their phone or Bibles here. Okay. Now this is important. Now, this is a very powerful scripture with such a spiritual treasure. The Holy Spirit spoke this scripture to me 
when I asked him to speak to me about the next step of a sincere faith. Okay? The, the first one here, identity. Yes, you know who you are in Christ. It, it opens, you, opens the door for the next procedure. So let's have a look at this here. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Now, when the Holy Spirit spoke that scripture to me, when you read in between the, the, that, the Second Chronicles, it's just put in there in the middle of a story. And it's not even speaking about that. It's like the Holy Spirit put it there for us to see that treasure. So let's, let's think deeply now here. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. Now, how many people see Jesus Christ strong in their life? Where he fights for them. A lot of people know him, but does Christ fight for them? No. There's a mystery here. If there's anything in my journey that I want to see in my journey with Christ, I want to see Christ strong on my behalf. Yes? Can we all agree? What are you living for? You've all given your life to Christ. Yes? The next step is this. If there's anything that you want from God to show himself in who he says he is. We agree? We agree? What a precious scripture there. What does it mean? It means something so different. <laughs> it means something so different. How does God really show himself strong? What do you have to go through for God to show himself so strong on your behalf? Test. Amen. Okay, let's have a look at this. Let's look at this treasure. Now, this is a little question. The whole world knows Christ. Whose loyalty is a different topic in itself. Let's have a look what it means. Because in the New Testament, it gives us a treasure, what it actually means. So the word loyal in the Hebrews 7, triple nine, the word is perfect. Now let's see what it means. The word is perfect and the word in the Hebrew is shalem, shalem. That's what the word means. I, I speak better in the Hebrew than the Greek. Shalem, shalem. Now, look at this here. This is a treasure. Wow. How many people want to see wrong in their life on their behalf? Imagine you reading the scripture and he's not showing himself. Imagine you walking with God and he's not showing himself. It's an issue, yeah? 
Can we agree? Is it an issue or it's a blessing? It's an issue. And why so many believers fail in this area, it's because of what it means to be loyal to him. Loyalty has an opposition. Can we start to agree now? Can we start to see the difference now? Loyalty has an opposition. Just keep that in your heart as I preach. The word loyal is described in the Hebrew <clears throat> to be made ready. First procedure. Are we listening? I'll talk from there. <clears throat> the first procedure on, on loyalty, yes? The first procedure on the word loyalty from the Hebrew is to be made ready. What does that speak of? What does that speak of? What Mary said, testing. The testing. This way I'm going. The second procedure, just. To be just. You know what that means? Right living. Made ready for what? To be like your master. To live as Christ Jesus lived. You know why it's possible? Because he lives in us. This is why. To be made ready. The second procedure is to be just. Now let's look at the third procedure. Ready? The third procedure is to be complete. We're getting somewhere here now. The fourth procedure, the fourth procedure is to be peaceable. What happens when you're complete? Life in the spirit. What follows? Peace which surpasses and transcends all understanding will be yours. They couldn't enter his rest or his peace. Why? Because they didn't learn his ways just. You see the process? What I speak about an hour ago? Process over blessing. Process over blessing. Now look here. God shows himself strong for those who go through the process. Number one, made ready. Number two, just. Number three, complete. Number four, peaceable. Number five, friendly. What does that mean, friendly? You know what that means? You know what that means? I share a treasure with you, how the Holy Spirit let me see it. Number five is friendly. You know what it means? It means that testings and trials, they're your friends. They're not there to destroy you. They're there to bring Christ out of you. How many, look, how many people here look at challenges to be their enemy? How many people look at challenges to be their enemy? Yeah? But when I see challenges, guess what happens? I don't leave the place of his presence. 
to the Spirit, they're my best friend. Because there I'm learning to pray without ceasing. There I will not leave his presence. So the trials are my friend. Why? Because he's preparing me to have an encounter. He's preparing me to see his power. He's preparing me to see his breakthrough. So when trials come, what, how does the Spirit rejoice? Lord Jesus, I surrender. You eat this in the trial. You eat this in the trial. You eat it. Why? Because you know God's the only one who can get you out of the problem. <laughs> so the, the testing is your friend. God disciplines those he loves. They're your friend. Imagine the believer saw the test to be their friend. They will not complain and get entangled from the devil. How many people complain about the situations? They miss the mark. How many people pray about the situation? The trials is what made me what I am today. I couldn't leave his presence. There I heard the gentle whisper. There I learned discipline. There I learned obedience that I cannot leave his presence. Yes? Yes. So when trials come, how does the Spirit rejoice? How does the Spirit rejoice? You do not leave his presence. Because when you're weak, you're strong. How? You don't leave the place of the Spirit. You pray without ceasing. You seek him with all your heart. So the trials are your friend. How many people crumble when trials come? So what does Christ prepare you for? Why does, what does Christ prepare you for? Let the weak say, I'm strong. Why? Because you will not leave the place of his presence. There God prepares you. Prepares you and shows you, outside of me, there's no life. He shows you. He lets you understand, outside of him, there's no life. Yeah, you will not dare to walk any, anywhere outside of him anymore. Yes? Yes? Some people learn the hard way. Some people don't learn. They keep going through it and they keep getting battered from the devil. The trials are your friend to show you there you see God's power. The trials is where you see God's power. The blessings is where you see God's goodness. The trials is where you see God's power. Two different things. Blessing shows how good God is. The trial shows his overwhelming, overcoming power. You understand? So what does Christ make you ready for? What's the next step for sincere faith? Sincere faith? How is sincere faith tested? When it's tested, how does sincere faith produced? When it's tested. You don't know what faith you have until you go through tests. You don't know. So God organized testing. Why? To cling to Him. Cling to Him. And there He promotes you, level by level by level, and you see His power and glory. When I try to take my life, hear me for a second. When I try to take my life, I saw death knocking at my door. 
Satan knocking at my door, there Christ was. But I was that believer. Lord, I'll give you everything. Come to me. But I meant it. And he did come to me. And I saw him with my own eyes. And I had many beautiful experiences with him that's led me to this place. But he says who he is. Let every man be a liar, God be true. He says what he means. But why so many people don't get promoted to the next place? Why? They think trials are there to destroy them. They think tests are there to destroy them. No, they're there to mold you, mold your character. They're there to mold you. So when it says here, the word loyal, friendly, tests. Tests are your friend. Have you ever seen tests to be your friend? Because when you have tests, you have a good look in the mirror of who you are. A good look. When everything's going good, you never look inside like you are when you're going through tests. True? Or when I see people going through tests, they're at the front, they're on the front, the front chair. <laughs> they're on the front. I haven't seen you for years. Where you been? That's what it takes for God to do. And some people don't, some people don't. But they're at the front. My phone rings at one in the morning. Haven't spoken for one year. Why? Because tests get your attention. They get your attention. And God has to do that with every person of the flesh because the flesh is stubborn, especially in the beginning. So you get to really see what you believe in the testing. You get to really grow in the testing because there you're fighting with the very thing that's trying to control you. Okay. Number six. You know what number six means? Fool. What's the last level of a believer? Fool age. So how does, a, how does God show himself strong? Those who go through the testing. You know the anointing? You know, you, know, you know everyone has the Holy Spirit? Not everyone operates in the anointing. Yeah? You know what the anointing means? To be crushed. Do you want to get crushed? That's what it means. It means that your life is crushed of everything of the old for the oil to get poured out of you. You know how the anointing came out in the New Testament? How it came out out of the believers? I'm going to teach it because it's so different how we understand. The anointing comes out when you're crushed. What does that say? The anointing comes out through the testing. Through the testing, the Spirit of God is overcoming the old man. Why? Because the time you spend with him. Because the dedication and the time that you give him. Believe me, every person here, what's the most time you've given God when you're in the storm? Yes? 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 That's a blessing from God. Are you meant to stay there? No. You're meant to grow. 
In which way? To understand your life no longer exists. They failed to enter his rest because they didn't learn his ways. What's the final way? What's the final way of God? What's the final way of God? Set apart for his purpose. That's the final way. That's the final destination. Lord, I'm going to come, I'm going to, I'm going to come, and I'm going to get to know everything I can to prepare myself for the way that you planned for me. That's the final destination. If I was to ask believers today, what do you want from God? I want to be healed. Yes. That's part of your inheritance. But part of your calling is to be set apart for his purpose. Why do you come here? Why do you come here? I'm trying to teach you. I'm not having a go at you. I'm trying to teach you to understand what God says about your life. Why are you here? It should be, I want to find out what my purpose is on earth. Yeah? Does situations dictate you anymore? Does trials dictate you anymore? No. You know they're part of the journey for your growth purpose. Okay. So how does God show himself strong on those who are loyal to him? Yeah? They went through the tests and trials and they kept their heart right. Now let's have a look at this one. What happens when you go through tests? Yeah? This is how Satan remaps our identity. What happens when you go through tests? I prayed and God didn't answer me. He changes your identity. Are we understanding? So what happens in the trials? Satan remaps our identity. I prayed, and it's not for me. That's how he changes your identity. I went through struggles, and I didn't get my breakthrough. I just accept it. He changes your identity. That's what he does. That's his main aim, is to change what God has said over your life, or to give the word of God um, not that authority that it deserves. You understand? Can we understand? So what happens when you went through trials? Your identity towards what God says you are changes. So is the test true? Do you remain firm in the testing? So many people begin to not give themselves fully to God because of the remapping that Satan done through the tests. It goes both ways. I have to say it like this. It goes both ways. Satan gets the scraps, or you get promoted in your blessing. And how many people, when they go through tests and trials, listen to me, please. How many people go through tests and trials, and they, their, their commitment towards God begins to decrease or decline? How many people? How many people can tell the truth now? that they've gone through tests and trials and their prayer life or their commitment towards God or the will of God has declined. That's a clear indication that you are not overcoming that situation. And that's a clear indication that Satan has tried to remap your identity as a true believer. Are we understanding? Okay. I keep going. 
believe me, Christ is so sensitive to your prayer in the trial. He sees what you really believe when you go through the trial. Promotion, a lot of people don't know this, promotion is in the trial. You know that? Because it goes both ways. You can complain about your situation, you can play the victim in your situation, or you can hearken to his voice, hearken to his truth, and transform what God says over your life. It's both ways. Every time someone got promoted in the Old and the New Testament, it was in the trial and the test. And, you know, a simple test can be how to forgive. Or it's maybe not simple. The only thing the disciples asked for was they said, Lord, help us to love or help us to forgive. You know what that means? It means it's divine. It has to come from God. You have to get His love to forgive. It can be as simple. It can be as simple. It can be as simple as showing mercy, showing compassion. It can be as simple as. Walking with God step by step. I'm telling you something. I learned more in the little victories than the great victories. Because in the little victories, I was obedient. Those little victories prepared me for the great ones. And you know what I got right, to be honest, was my prayer life. It was my commitment towards God. No matter what I went through... God comes first. That means his will above what I feel. Because you can feel defeated. You can feel broken. You can feel confused. Yeah? I need to fix myself first before I give myself to God. Or I need to give myself... I need... I deserve more time for myself. I think God will understand... The promotion is in how you serve God. So think about it like this. Think about it like this. How many times, how many times have you passed or failed a test when challenges have come? Think. Reflect. Just for yourself. Because the promotion is in the trial. When things aren't going right, you have the right to control and complain and blame, or you have the right to be silent and trust God. You start to see. How many people complain about their life, their situation, about waiting for things they need from God? Okay. Okay, we go to James. What does it mean to be loyal to him? Look at this here. I think we've read it probably a hundred thousand times. But look what it says here. I chose the Amplified because it gives it a bit more depth. Save me going through all the Greek words. So look here. It says, consider it nothing but joy. Hang on a second. Do you go through trials with joy? <laughs> Just just read that one to start off with. 
Do you go through the trials with joy? You know what that shows you? It shows you that gratitude is your weapon. <laughs> you know, read between the lines. It shows you how Satan traps the believer in just the beginning. They enter the trial complaining, questioning, compromising, reasoning. Do you go through, <laughs> you go through the trials with joy? Thank you, Lord, that this trial is to build me, not to tear me down. Consider nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials, be assured, now be assured, that you will get out of this place. Look at this here, assurance. Gratitude and assurance that it's not going to stay or last. What does the devil say? This thing is here to stay. This is here to stay. When you see the mountain, everything is forgotten. All you can see is torment, trouble, burdensome, grief, worry, confusion, fear. He said, be assured it will not stay. So joy, gratitude, assurance. Joy, gratitude, assurance is what? Identity. Can you read between the lines and understand? Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to what? Spiritual maturity. Isn't that amazing? Who would think God needs to do this for us to get promoted? That's God's way of life. Don't question. All my growing was pretty much on my knees, seeking the truth, seeking to change my life. Look here. What does spiritual maturity achieve? Inner peace. What is God interested with? What is the Holy Spirit interested with? Before peace, charity. Why do so many people lack peace? Serving the flesh. Basic teaching. Why so many people not entering God's peace? Because they are not focusing on growth. They're not focusing on obedience. Okay, look here. Leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect, completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. What does uh, loyalty mean? To complete you, be full. How does God do that? Through the testing. How does God show himself strong to you? Once you have stood the test, you receive what? The crown of life that God promised you. So the testing is where the promotion is. How many people are scared of the testing? How many people here are scared of how it's going to plan out? This is God's way of life to promote you. It's his way of life to expose you. How many people are going in circles? It's because they don't know how it's going to plan out. They don't know what's going to plan out through the discipline, through the testing, through the trials. If anything, it's the greatest blessing because the arm of Satan 
the arm of the flesh will be cut off from your life. It will be cut off. Because what does the Satan eat? He eats the flesh. Satan roams like a roaring lion looking for meat inside of you where there's no spirit, where there's no place that it's been submitted to yet. Let's keep going. Now look here. Now this is the punchline. If any of you lacks wisdom, wisdom for what? Wisdom to grow. You have to read it in context. If any of you lacks wisdom, wisdom to be spiritually mature. Let him ask God to guide him through a decision or circumstance. He is to ask a beloved God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame. What's the greatest prayer you can ask God for? To grow. But he must ask for wisdom in faith without dating, uh, doubting God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like blowing surge, uh, billowing surge. So this surge here, this word here in the Greek, you know what it means? You'll be blown away. You know what this word here, billowing surge, or in the Greek, what it means? It means lacks repentance. So the one who is tossed back and forth, he lacks repentance. So it says here, it, doubt is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord. Why? Because the first call of God is repentance. How can you have repentance if you're not asking God to spiritually mature you? Which is a divine gift from God. Repentance is a divine gift from God. But how can you get to a place where you're actually praying like that when you know you cannot do it on your own? So that word here, he lacks repentance. He cannot receive anything. God doesn't bless the flesh. He blesses obedience to the Spirit. For such a person ought not to think or expect he'll receive anything at all from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable, restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks or feels or decides. Now I'm going to break up these two words, double-minded and unstable, and I'll finish off. Okay. The word double-minded in the Greek is 1374. The word is dipsokos. Yeah. Dipsokos. <laughs> That's the word. I said it right. Dipsokos. Now, it's going to get pretty interesting. I, I, I love when the when this truth comes out. Man, if there's anything I want to know that's blocking God from blessing me, I'd like to know. Right? Look what it says here. The word defines as vacillation. Vacillation. Or wavering in opinion or purpose. Now listen carefully. The word double-minded defines as 
vacillation or wavering in opinion or purpose or action. Uh, I think it's vacillation. Vacillation means to hesitate in choice of opinion or course of life. I'll read that again, please. Vacillation or vacillation means to hesitate in choice of opinion or course of life. It means to be divided in interest in life, mind, soul, and heart, to be two spirited in this life, uncertain in this life. Vacillate defines in the Webster's Dictionary as to be unsure of your life. Now, this is what it means to be double minded. It means you will not receive anything from the Lord. It means to be unsure of your life. It means to be undeciding of your life with God. It means questioning your life unto God. Conflicted about the two lives. It's, it's massive. Conflicted about the two lives. Life of the flesh, life of the spirit. Next one, to be wobbly in your journey. That's what it means in the dictionary, the Webster's one. Wobbly. Who has wobbly feet? When John the Baptist said, straighten your feeble arms and legs, that's what he's meaning. Don't be double-minded. Causing delay in your journey. Now, how many people feel like their journey has been dealt with delay? Interesting. Delay. If there's such a regret in the body of Christ today, every time I hear it, I'm struggling to do what God's called me to do. I'm not submitting to the process. Next one. Causing delay in your journey, debating your heart. That's what it means, double-minded. Debating your heart. <laughs> but see, if you struggle with your identity, these things will always stay there. See, if you don't know your identity, these things will always stay there. But when you know your new identity in Christ, you'll know that your life is for Christ. It's safer there than yourself. Backing down or chickening out. Now, this is the biggest one out of all of them. Procrastinating. Now, this is... I have to read it. Procrastinating means the act of delaying or postponing a task. Wow. I learned something so, impro so important. Tomorrow is a mystery with God. Live for that day. Procrastinating says, I'll pray tomorrow. I'll read the word of God tomorrow. I'll fast tomorrow. I'll focus on God's will tomorrow. That's what procrastinating means. It means to delay your task on earth. So procrastinating is probably the greatest sin that keeps a person, a person double-minded. So procrastinating meaning the act of delaying or postponing a task, also postponing God's will, knowing that there will be a negative consequence. Did you hear this? I speak to myself. You listening? Thank you. <laughs> Procrastinating means 
postponing God's will, knowing that there will be negative consequences for your life, the sin of procrastination is crippling the body of Christ today. That's what it means to be double-minded. So how many people have their life planned? I'll focus on God tomorrow. That's how it begins with little, little seeds. And before you know it, you're absent from God's will. A lot to think about today. A lot to think about. That's the sin that no one speaks about today. Procrastinating. Knowing there is a negative result. Because if you don't pray, yes, there is a negative result. If you don't commit your life to Christ, there's a negative result. Satan's not far behind. The flesh is not far behind. Rebellion is not far behind. Okay. Okay. Next one. The word unstable, and I'll finish off here. The word restless, oh sorry, the word unstable. It's it's akatostotos. <laughs> Is that right, Tommy? Close. See, it's close. Akatostatos. Okay, Tammy, relax, Tammy, relax, Tammy. <laughs> So Tammy, get the microphone, I want Tammy to say it. <laughs> get the microphone for Tammy, please. No, no, you said it loud too, you want to have to say it on the microphone. <laughs> yes, yeah, so can you just read that name? Akatostatos. Let's see her version. Yeah, come on Tammy. Come on Tammy, it's alright. We're just having a little laugh, it's alright. Um, y Yanni would do it. No, Yanni doesn't want to do it. No, I don't want to do it. It's all right. All right. So akatostatos. That's that's from the, <laughs> that's from the Strong's one eight two. Okay, take it easy. Take it easy. So the word is unstable, inconstant, restless. Let's look at those three words. So if there's anything that I want to know what block, it's blocking God's blessing from my life, procrastination is the biggest one out of them all. I will focus on God's will tomorrow. The mystery of faith work in the present. God is the I am of the present. He's always present. As soon as you operate outside the present, you're procrastinating. You get it? And that's a sin that leads to spiritual, spiritual disconnection from God that no one really speaks about. Okay. The word unstable from the Webster's and the Greek Sayer Dictionary. Not being in or able to maintain a state of balance. So I'll read it out again. If a believer is unstable, 
He's not been able to maintain a state of balance, meaning his life with God is not balanced. That's what it means for a believer, unfortunately, to be operating in this way. So let me give you a picture of a believer today, a common believer. Hardship comes, they pray. They worship, they serve. Unstableness kicks in. Hardship comes again, they start all over again. They start all over again. Okay, next one. It defines as being unbalanced, unsteady, uh, inconstant. Inconstant defines as being changeable, unreliable. Now, this is pretty interesting. Changeable, unreliable, untrustworthy, random, hit or miss, aimless, unsettled, changeful, fluid, inconsistent, unpredictable, and hesitating. Restless. Restless defines from the Greek to be agitated, distressed, anxious, troubled, nervous, worried, upset, uneasy, disturbed, unquiet, lacking rest, discouraged, strained, uptight, and tensed. Now, it gives a good, district, uh, good description for the person who is operating unstable towards God. Now, I think a lot of your questions got answered, unfortunately. Now, this is the major one. The word akatostos links to kathistima. Kathistima. <laughs> oh man, what do I do this to myself? <laughs> Kathestima. Yeah, that's it. Kathestima. That's the word that links with that word. Okay? Look what it says here. In a negative text, it will a struggle to appoint to God's task. In a negative text or sense, it will struggle to appoint to God's task. It will struggle to administer to an office of the, of the gifts. It will struggle to be ordained to ministry or God's will. Now, it will struggle to lay down his life. This is what the word unstable means in the Greek. Struggle to establish his life for God. Struggle to continue or stand in God's will. To set one over a thing, in other words, to be in charge of the spirit against the flesh. Now I'm going to stop here. I'm going to stop here. We'll go back to Second Chronicles. Now this the second procedure why the believers don't mature, because in time of testing, they fail. And that's as simple as I can put it. As simple comes down to their commitment towards God. Now God shows himself strong, 
on behalf of those who have went through the testing and remained obedient and steadfast to him. He shows himself weak to the one who's tossed back and forth. Now, if there's anything that I want as a believer, truthfully, is I want Jesus to show himself strong on my behalf. Why? Because I'm seeking him. Because I'm living for him. And the Bible says, test yourself. You know what that word test means? It means to go through the fiery furnace. That testing is only when God's spirit begins to work inside of you. Test yourself, examine yourself to see if you are in the Lord. That word testing is a refining. And so many believers are scared of the refining because they don't know what's going to plan out of their life. And I take it back to what? Identity. They're afraid of the unknown. Satan attacks the unknown. As long as he can keep you in the place of the unknown, outside of your identity, he will continuously attack this area. But when you know what God's going to produce out of the testing, you'll, you'll have joy. Why? Because God's not using them to destroy you. He's using them to build you. So when you don't know your identity, guess what happens? You're in the fear of the unknown because you don't know how your life is going to plan out. And that's why the Bible says my people perish because of their lack of knowledge. That's why they perish. Because they don't know that God is their father now. He's there to protect you, if anything. But you have to be tested. Your life against his life. And can you say with all your heart today that you're in the balance of God where you're maintaining and building momentum to your spiritual destiny? Can you say this? Can you say this with all your heart that you're in the area of promotion? You're in the area of remaining steadfast? Or has the enemy changed your identity by making you believe the lie because of the test that didn't go your way? Think about it. God shows himself strong on those who have remained steadfast in the midst of trials, challenges, and anything that's come upon their life. Think about it. What's happened to each one of you when you've had a time to complain, murmur, withdraw yourself, backslide, or you've had a place where I'm standing firm, this is my calling, this is my destiny, and this is where I'm going to go. What have you done? How have you responded? Think about it. So the next step for sincere faith is to be tested with fire. Tests. What does God test? Your heart. He tests your heart to see if you love him. And it's easy to say that you love him and worship him. When test comes, it proves the genuineness of your faith. So... Faith that's not tested, it's not genuine. It's not genuine. God sees genuine faith when it's been tested and you've remained obedient. So that's the next step where so many people have missed out. So let's pray.
<clears throat> he shows himself strong on behalf of those who are loyal to him. Loving Christ is one thing, being loyal to him is another. Can we agree? Loving Christ for what he done at the cross is one thing, but being loyal to him is when you become trustworthy for him, is when he can actually use you as his mantle. Are you loyal? Are you loyal with the little things that he's put inside your heart? See, he's not expecting a big result. He's expecting the little first. Wherever you are in your journey, be faithful with where you are. Don't compromise. Let's pray. We thank you, Father. We thank you, God, our Father. We've come such a time as this that you're preparing the body. You're preparing the body. And Lord Jesus, we seek your face. We ask you by the power of the Holy Spirit to prepare us. I pray, Lord, that you give us the grace, the love, and the strength to endure all testings and trials that proves the genuineness of our faith. Thank you, Lord. I pray that in this area you build each one of us here today. Thank you. Mean it in your heart. Come on. I pray, Lord, today that from today we can start again. And I pray that you prepare us first, allowing us to be restored in your identity and allow us to be promoted in the tests and the trials. I pray that you give us the faith to overcome each one of them. We worship you, Lord, and we thank you. We love you, Lord. We worship you. Thank you for your truth that sets us free. I pray, Lord, that we can boast in the Lord Jesus Christ, but most of all, we can boast in the process. I pray, Lord, that you teach us the process. Allow us to understand what you're most interested with. Thank you. Holy Spirit, be released upon every heart today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We thank you that we are in an area now to mature. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much, Lord. We worship you today. Hallelujah. I pray for each member here today in the body of Christ that they may be complete, lacking nothing. Thank you. His presence like a fire. Thank you. Just receive. Just receive. <clears throat>